2: Manscaped, our new major sponsors on the Rugby League Guru podcast have just launched in Australia. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job. You can be one of the first to experience their life-changing products here in Australia. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GURU20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code GURU20. Send me a message on the Instagram page or hit the link in the podcast description. Let's get those Rubik's Cubes sorted, fellas. Let's kick off the podcast.
0: Down the block. Side
2: Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today we've got part two of our interview with Brett Finch. This one kicks off in 2004 as the Roosters, you know, they've just lost the 2003 grand final against the Penrith Panthers. It's Finch's first year at the Sydney Roosters after leaving the Canberra Raiders. And of course, 2004, they also managed to get to the grand final. They come up against Canterbury, which you heard him talk about in last week's episode, that they played them in the semifinal and they just put on their best performance ever. And it was... You know that that game between Canterbury and the Roosters, it had been coming for two years now. Obviously, two thousand and two, the Bulldogs were on fire. They lost all their points because they were over the salary cap. The Roosters went on to win the premiership. Then they faced each other in two thousand and three, and then in two thousand and four, they played on the big stage. Now, of course, this grand final, you know, it was a big rivalry between East and Canterbury, but also it was Brad Fittler's last game, and this meant a lot to Finchie. And not getting the job done, it was really heartbreaking for him. Um, you know, he goes in depth around those feelings and it's, it's quite a sombre affair. Very interesting to hear Finchy talk. It's uh it's very different to the normal sort of chat you hear from Brett. Then of course after that, you know, as we said, Brad Fitler, he leaves the building. And the Roosters are left in tatters a little bit. They're in all sorts. Uh, it wasn't a good few years there. And, you know, Finchie touches on how his relationship with Ricky Stewart changed. Obviously, two really competitive halfbacks with two extremely high standards for themselves. So when it was going good in 03 and 04, their relationship was fantastic. But it's very interesting to see how it changed over the next few years. Eventually, he leaves the Roosters, makes his way over to the Eels. And he has a, a very interesting time with the Eels. You know, it's a very, it's a mixed squad of real young guys. really older guys and um, it's a really incredible journey there of course he eventually leaves at the start of 2009 essentially asked Daniel Anderson for a leave he had nowhere to go he was considering retirement England he wasn't sure a call from Matty Johns landed him a contract down in Melbourne and the rest is history Uh, part two is a classic chat sort of talking more about the lows you know part one was a lot about the highs of finchie coming to the roosters debut all that sort of stuff he goes through a lot of a lot of tough times leading up to his time in melbourne this is a really um really eye-opening chat with finchie that i really enjoyed we also have a really interesting chat about brett finch's best mate Anthony Minocello. It uh, sort of tells the Anthony Minocello story from a slightly different perspective and really makes you consider where Minocello could have ended up in his career if it wasn't for injuries. Really enjoyed that chat with Finchie, really raw and really honest. Considering he played with Minachello at his peak and Billy Slater at his peak, you know, Brett Finch has a great perspective on the on the greatest fullback ever argument. Let's kick it off. Finch,
0: Finch takes the shot, it's got the He's-
2: The 2004 season, as we said, you make your origin debut. Tell me about when you first got that phone call. I imagine it must have been one of the absolute highlights of your career.
0: Yeah, well, again, uh, not Brett Morley got injured on the Sunday, so I, I, we, I, I'd had um, we'd had the weekend off. We a buy, so again, I, I just had lunch on Sunday. We had Ryan Cross's wedding the night before, so I was a decent nudge there because we had the buy. I called in Sunday night, and flew up to to Brisbane Sunday night, and. And, again, Freddie, that was Freddie's return match. There was Fitzy, Craig Wing, um, Mini, you know, all these guys. You know, there's five or six roosters. So, it was like just going into a club team. So, I was really comfortable with that. Um, you know, we get beat by two, two to four points, I think. We get beat by 22-18. I, I played pretty well. Uh, but you sort of think, you know, Joe was out for the year, injured with the knee. Noddy pulled his hamstring. At Trent Barrett was unavailable with injury. So, I'm sitting fourth or fifth down the peck of mine. So I'm thinking, you know, as great as it was, that's probably, you know, I'm grateful to have it because I might not get another shot. So um, I was 18th man for the game three where Freddie charged down and scored and we had a great night out. I even wore me uh we training the next morning with the roosters, I still wore my origin tracks <laughs> Trying training. Sticky like, fucking guys, you're the bloody best. He said, you're 18th man. You wasn't even playing. I knew I'd get a reaction. I still went I still still be pissed after winning the Origin Series. I rocked up in my origin tracks and waiting for a bite and he goes, no nah. So you're the 80, 80, 80, 18th man in history still wearing the Origin tracks at 24 <laughs> hours after the game.
2: <laughs> mate, <laughs> the blokes I speak to that have played Origin, they all sort of say the same thing, that they make their debut, the game kicks off, then they look up and it's half time and it's just on another level. How, how did you find that night, the game itself?
0: It, it, it game was at Suncorp, mate. Suncorp's always quicker. I played two Origins at Suncorp, one in Sydney and it's – Paris is so different, you know, Sydney's middle of winter, so it's quite heavy, track and, and, and dewy, and, which slows it down, uh, which helps for bikes like me, but Queen, that Queensland game was so quick, you know, it's a dry track, and even just like, I remember at training, his first training session, Freddie hits me with a ball, I caught 500 passes a week of oh, Freddie, mate, it bounces off me. chest, it just, everything was quicker, training was quicker, you know, so, yeah, I, I adapted pretty well that week, but my third game I played up there in game two in 06, mate, we got pumped by 30 points and it's just like you're in quickly in it. There's no way back. It's like you see some of that momentum. We, we had no momentum. It's like, can this game just be over? Because it's just, you were just on the back foot all day and it goes that quick from side to side. And, you know, you see the, some of the sets, they're like 60 metre sets, you know what I mean? You know, it's, it was, uh, it's really tough when, when you're under the pump and, you know, the momentum was against you.
2: Mate, a couple of months later, obviously the 2004 grand final rolls around and you're taking on Canterbury. You know, we, we, we said in 03 you played him in the semi and this is the grand final that everyone had been waiting for. And, you know, you led 13 6 at half time. You hit an absolute cracking field goal before half time. What was the thought process at that time?
0: Mate, you know what? It was a split second. I went into a, well, six It's about eight minutes left or something, 30, 40 metres out. And sometimes they're your hardest kicks. If you, you, if you land it too close to the trial, you're not going to get your chases down there to contest. But if it's too short, you know, you, they're returning the ball 20, 30 minutes. You know, so it's a hard sort of kick to get it right. And I went to actually, if you've watched the footage, I go to do a torpedo bomb. And as I catch it, it's shaped a torpedo bomb. Then I, for some reason, I think, fuck it, I'll snap a field goal, you know? Because it, it was a really shitty game. Both yeah. teams played poorly. Both teams played really poorly. It was an absolute bludger of a grand final. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a huge lead balloon in terms of the, the games that had, you know, over the previous years between the two clubs, a real lead balloon. So I just thought six all of I them, mean, just to something. one point could be important. Again, I, I hit it real sweet. I don't know what it was about me and field goals at um, ANZ. I kicked about 11 there in my career. <laughs> but then the, the very next set, Anthony tubo makes a break and uh, puts Mini under the post and it's 13-6. So all of a sudden I look like a superstar at 13-6 with the field goal and Roosters, we hadn't lost leading at halftime in three or four years.
2: Mate, I was about to say no one ever ran that mob down when you guys were up.
0: It's like Melbourne Storm, mate. Halftime, I don't know. We we could have started our lap of honor, like it's over, you know. I you know, look back, I think some of the stinks said at halftime maybe created a panic or maybe a bit negative, but we didn't play good in the second half, and it was a bludger of a game. You know, we missed opportunities. Andrew Ryan came up with a couple of huge plays. He made a tackle on Chris Walker under the post. And then I hit Mick Crocker on full time. And he's through. You know, he's got Mini coming up the inside. He's got Hodjo, Justin Hodges, and Chris Walker on the outside. And Bobcat comes from inside and ankle taps. Croc trips him up and, say, you know, that there's every chance we could have scored on the belt. Finchie, so, without, like,
2: without putting salt in the wounds, that pass to Mick Crocker, that could have been the pass of your career. And Andrew Ryan just comes up with an unbelievable play there.
0: Bloody Bobcat, you know. Um, but that's why he was good because he never stopped working. That, ink, like, that that would have been on the belt and, and went down by three, so once the tries scored, it would have been pin the Manning. But again, it's those little efforts, you know, and we could have been in front before that, but Bobcat made a tackle on Chris Walker. Chris, Texas got the ball, he's bounced back infield and and straight near the post, and he was through. And, and again, Bobcat's come from the inside and made a legs tackle, and he's pulled him up uh, a beast short, you know, so I think the disappointing thing with that game is we played nowhere near our best and I'm sure the dogs would say the same, but like, so it was a bludger of a game we didn't play well and, and we we're in a position where 99 times out of 100 of them not previous 99 times we'd nail them you know we, we kick it in the corner we don't give you the chance to breathe where that game we just gave far too many opportunities to the dogs and you know we got punished.
2: Mate, uh, I was at that grand final and I remember after. You know, we, 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 we sort of lived in the eastern suburbs. So we, we went to Bondo Junction to see you guys, you know, get back there. Not not Rooster fans, but just to see what was going on. And I remember you guys getting off the bus. And I saw you get off the bus 12 months earlier against Penrith. And it's just a different look. It was like, it was a, they just looked so demoralized by what had happened. And in my opinion, the 2004 side was better than 03. And dare I say, I think the 04 side was better than 02. It must have been heartbreaking.
0: It was, in '03. three, I know you speak for yourself, but you're sort of just happy to play in your first grand final. You know, you just, but the second year, like I said, mate, we were minor premiers. That was our worst game of the season. You know, you lose your second in a row for me, and it, it was heartbreaking. And, and that sort of was the end of the, the beginning of the end for, for that team. You know, Freddie retires, and the cracks were appearing. You know, the, the club really struggled the next couple of years, three or four years. Um, and took a while for the club to rebuild again, but Lived our life so hard and, and so extreme at all levels, playing, training, and, and off field. It had to end eventually, you know. And I don't know if it's hindsight or six sense we had, but we knew it was over. Freddie was retiring. I know. I know. I didn't drink at all that that for the next forty eight hours. You know, I didn't even have a beer. I was just devastated. Um, I didn't have my first beer till uh, Tuesday lunchtime. You know, I didn't drink at Mad Monday. I didn't, like I was dead. Like, and and. Sometimes you're devastated after grand final losses, but come Monday, yeah, you just, you know, you're ripping in, and, but it wasn't like, it was a real sombre feeling, and it was, we really feel we missed the boat, and again, we dominated that season, the Dogs had a tremendous team as well, don't get me wrong, but we were minor premiers, and you know, for the large parts of the game, we large parts of the season, we we were extremely dominant against most teams, so without a doubt, um, that one stuck in, you know, made me sick in my guts for a long time, and only tied. I had an opportunity to attain for it. The storm was that was the, the that's feeling a race, but yeah, that one that one hurt more than more than Penrith. That was for sure.
2: I've said it a few times on here. In my opinion, it's the 2001 Eagles and the 2004 Roosters as the best teams to not win a premiership. Um, yeah. I imagine in the change rooms after, especially being Freddie's last game. You know, explain to me the emotion around Freddie after that game.
0: I felt like I let him down. You know. I just felt if we lost, I, I could have scored 12 tries in the game, but it's my fault. If we lose, it's my fault. I'm the halfback. So I felt like i let him down. He's my hero. I remember saying to his mum, uh, we had a big testimony, like not a testimony, like a tribute night for him. Jingle uh, Art On the Tuesday night, we're playing the, the Eels on the Sunday, the last, premiers, the last game. So we need to win the win-minor premiership. Speaking to Fred's mum, and she goes, "Promise promised me two things, win the grand final and win on Sunday. So I said, i promise you that. Mrs. Fitler, we'll win on Sunday. We're all blind. We're all on drinks Tuesday night. We're, playing with, we're all on the drink. I so said, we'll win on Sunday. We'll win the premiership for Freddie. And he is my hero. He still is my hero. You know, like, he's a childhood hero. I loved, loved it. Loved the bloke. And we got the far, first part. done on want the premiership. But to let, let it down on the biggest stage. And we didn't play well. If you play well and lose, you can half wear it. We played shit out, you know. And, and like I said before, I may, I didn't play well, but... Even if I played well, I still would have felt like it was my fault because that's, that's how I took games. If you didn't win, it was, it was my fault. You know, I took the blame. So I certainly, you know, I, uh, my, myself, I would take the blame in, in meetings or videos or to the general public or to the media. And then I did. I come to me and said, it's my fault. I, I feel like I, I cost them the game. So it's a sombre dressing room. You know, and like I said, it was a sombre few days. And even, the, you know, you get to a week later, you have the presentation night, you usually fire up and have some fun. It was, I had a couple of beers.
2: The awards and home, you know, mate. Obviously, Brad Fitler, you know, he leaves the building at the end of two thousand four, two thousand and five rolls around. <laughs> What's that? Freddie leaves the building and the building falls apart. <laughs> mate, I, what was it hard to get up for two thousand and five? I imagine you know you guys were training so hard those three years, and you know, I I I would guess it's a little bit easier to train hard when you're successful, but when it's not going your way, you train even harder. And you mentioned, yeah. like, quicksand before. I imagine it would have been like that.
0: Yeah, well, mate, we trained, trained just as hard. We had a really good squad. Thought we are going to go again. The game was sort of changed. We've seen 2005 the Tigers went with more exchanges of passes. We will very one out. We'll try and beat the kick early. You know, the game had sort of evolved. Uh, Tim Sheens was smart with that to beat that sort of rush defence target. The edges were short in change of passes. Run out of gas. One thing about that Rooster's team from 2000 to 2004, they, they made full, four out of the five grand finals. Yeah. That's amazing. But they're not spoken about it as one of the great teams, which only win one comp. But to get to that level, you know, I was there for the two of the years, but to, to, to get to that level, a lot of those guys played in the four grand finals in that five year period. It sucks the juice out here. You. you know, you play until October, and then you, you know, the boys are going on kangaroo tours to November, December, you know, and, it, and eventually it, it gets you. At the back end. And if you're burning the candle at both ends, that don't help. And, mate, we really miss Freddie because Freddie was a great buffer between the coaches and the and the players, you know, because Stick was quite hard. But Fred had that relationship where he goes, mate, come on, Stick. you're yeah, probably and on a bit there or, mate, go for your life. So he was a real great buffer. We didn't have that. And, and I know for Sticky, mate, to coach the first grade at that time, there was a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. Like the, the pressure from the top was on him. He would put it on me. I put it on the teammates, you know. Uh, and like you said, when we started losing or we weren't going so good, what was successful for us was to work hard. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to keep working hard or we're going to work harder, you know? And I understood that. And that was the way I did things. think so. I was with that with Ricky. But, you know, we, we just, the game, that our style had to change, you know, and, and that our run had sort of come to an end and we struggled there for the next two years.
2: Mate, obviously, 2005, you you missed the finals for the first time in ages. But I guess the one silver lining, your good mate, Anthony Minicello, his football is just on another level that year.
0: Oh, mate. I think it changes the way fullbacks play. So, all these fullbacks now earning $1.3 million. You think the mountain cat. Um, back, back in the early 2000s, late 90s, if you kicked... You know, down into the corner, you'd only have five or six blokes to chase down that side of the field. fullback would just run out your tackling, you know. The mountain cat, the, you know, many of the human pinball, he'd bounce off two blokes, he'd be on the other side of the field in no time, yep. making a break. He was the first fullback with the 20 carries a game, 300 metres effort, you know. Fullbacks didn't do, do what he did, you know. He'd be taking hit-ups off the scrum coming out of your end and play ones and plays twos. Um, he changed the game. And, and I remember... Uh, with Billy Slater. Towards the end of his career, he was the 300th game or 250th or something with Bill. There was an article, and I was with Billy down in Melbourne. And he had an article on the five most influential people in his career, and it was with his mum and dad and someone else. he had Craig Bellamy and Cameron Smith, and he had Anthony Minichella. And he wrote a piece on each one and what they meant to him. He said, Mini, I've only met Minnie once, so he's not a mate. You know, he seems like a lovely bloke, but I don't know him well. He said, but he changed my game because Craig Bellamy came to me with a DVD and O five 5 and said, if you want to be the best, play. watch this. This is the standard. And I feel for Mini, because Mini, Mini won two Harry Sutherland medals, which is the Kingaroo Tour player, of the player of the Tour. He won a golden boot, won two Wally Lewis medals, like and like Dalian fullback of the year. He was the best. He was the best fullback in the game, probably the best player in the game, and not the world. And for, for me, which I feel sorry, his injuries took him off the top of the mountain. It's a bit like, if you're going to knock me off me, thrown, I want you to want you to beat me off it, you know, not couldn't fight for his jumpers, you know, and he has a horrific run of neck and back injuries and he doesn't get back to sort of oh seven, oh eight, oh nine to fully fitness. And by that stage Carmichael Huck comes through, Brett Stewart, Billy was on the scene, you know, like there's all these developments of great
1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And
0: fullback had gone to that next level, you know, in the importance because of how many played the game. So I felt, felt for him being a close man, you know, it was extremely hard to watch the sidelines, the game go. Wasn't and he couldn't put up a fight because of the injury. So, but, but you're right, mate. He during that period, he was he was unstoppable, mate. On and off the field, he was a single. I was living with him, I would know
2: he's a good looking rooster,
0: mate. They love the mountain cat. I said, mate, we'd be leaving the nightclubs and we'd go, mate, how did you, how have you done this? I've been with you all night, you know, <laughs> you're a genius. Um, it helped me out being a battler. I run off the, the mountain cat. I set you up for a few tries on the field, you set me up for a few off, but uh. He's, a, you know, he's my best mate, and I, I love playing with him, but he's, he's one of those infectious blokes. He was just high energy, fun to be around. If ever you're telling a joke you want to tell me, because he'll laugh at anything. You know? He was great for my story. He just <laughs> made me feel great. He's laughing. Um, yeah, and, and you're right, he, he was off the charts that year.
2: Let me ask you, Brett, if those injuries didn't happen, a hypothetical, where do we sit on the argument as far as the best fullback ever, in your opinion? You you know, you know played with both Slater and with Minicello. obviously very different fullbacks, but as you said, Minicello was cut down at his absolute peak. Where do you think it, it, it would have finished with both of them?
0: Well, Minnie gets injured at the end of 05, like the offseason, start of 06. So that's the start of... like We won three Origins before that. Minnie's not there, so Origin starts the run... Slater still would have been great, or he's one of the greats. It's a bit like Benzie has a wedding, I think his own wedding, that, so he stands down from the Tri-Series in 2006, Smithy gets a chance and he never plays hooker again. Yeah. Now, Minnie was like that. Now, players still might play better than you, but but those rep teams, they're harder to get out than get in. If you're still winning and playing good enough, they pick you, you know? Um. So you never know, like someone like Billy or these folks may, may never have got the opportunity at rep level that we've seen, even if they could have been as great as what they were, you know, um, and they were cheered bids But, you know, during that period, early, two, mid, start of 2000, that five or six year period, Mini was, without doubt, I think one of the, you know, he was the best and most consistent player in the game. And he, he was playing Origins and Tests. You know, I think he played more games in that period, you know, about third, 20 more games or 15 more games than the next person in the comp, you know. And um, You know, he was just a rock star.
2: Mate, obviously that 05, 06, 07 for the Roosters, not overly flash. And obviously the years before that, when you're making grand finals, you're playing Origin, you're almost win- winning Dally M's, you know, you're the halfback. So you get all of the praise that comes with it. When your team's going shithouse, you wear 90% of it. And you might've been the king of wearing shit when teams weren't going well.
0: 99, it is, mate. And, and that's, but that's why I love halfback. I wouldn't change anyone else. I've, you know, there's been games you walk off, feeling, you know, well, you won because of me. You know, that's why I love that's the mentality. I wanted to make a difference. Now I went through a tough period there. I wasn't playing great footy, but uh, you know that's it's part of the journey, and that's what makes who you are. And again, I felt like that time I learned a lot about myself and learned a lot about the game. And you know I was never the, the most talented player, but I was resilient as anyone. You know, like picking a player on pure skill and talent, you're not going to pick me. But if you want someone who's resilient and will do anything to win, I was your man. So. I, doubt I you know, I didn't play well during that period, and the team suffered as well. But you certainly gathered a plenty of resiliency, and you know the thick skin. You know, i, I thick skin about myself, you know, and um, you know that helps, you know, for me back into my career.
2: Mate, I imagine you know your relationship with Ricky Stewart would have changed a lot between 2003 and 2007. I imagine 03 and 04, you would have had a great time together most of it, and then. After that, when the team's yours and they're not going so well and the as you said, the pressure's mounting on him and he's feeding that down to you. You know, how did it all end with Ricky Stewart? Was there was there any like standout sprays from him, you remember?
0: Me and Stick get on good, you know, and, and he had a huge part to play him in my development as a player. When it was good, it was great with me and stick. But when it went bad, it was pretty heavy at times, you know. And we're similar blokes. If he's got a problem with me, he's gonna tell me. If I've got a problem with it, I wouldn't him, I'm gonna tell you know, I'm you're the case, but I'll tell you. I think you're not doing your job right as much as you're not. You know, like you know, I'll probably Paul Chess words for me there. But you know what I mean. We, we, I certainly, if I like mate, we need to change that there, or you, you know, like we, we were similar characters and we both wanted the best for the team. You know, there's pressure on stick from the board. You know, it's the board expected to win. The board thoughts coming, and that's why the Roosters are a great club. The board thinks seconds are failure. They like ninth, yeah. You know? um, and the pressure was on stick. Stick, and that, you know, he. Rides his halfback because he's a former great halfback, and then I'd be riding the team. And when you're losing, that can become really negative. And you know, as a period, there was really negative and hard on the boys because I knew you'll make a mistake, you miss a tackle, we lose the game. I'm going to go get, I'm going to go get a butt chewing from Sticky, you know. And it's at times it was quite volatile and and personal, and the sledges, the, the the sledging matches, or the the argument to the point where you know you'd have to be. Part, you know, pushed apart, you know, like so. I've got all that, but it's only because me and Sticky cared, you know. Like some other bikes in the team, they wouldn't have known, you know. You know, we're probably two of the hardest working bikes in the club, but we're at each other because we care, and you know, we, we, this mattered to us. We didn't like the position we were in, we didn't want to lose. See, Sticky, Sticky hates losing, and that's why it's so great to be around. You know, at the end of those six, we both lived together, and I thought that was fair enough. You know, we left fine. You know, he, I don't I spoke to me mum and dad later years and. Apologised to them He went too hard on me Yeah sure I look back It could have been too hard But it made me feel I watched You know Like I went After that Nothing after that after That could rattle on my cage You know Like Bulletproof yeah. like, <laughs> you know, Skin like an African rhino Now you know Let's go like, And it That helped me Down the track But um, You know I, I had some great times With Sticky you know? He, you know He he was He was great At bringing a team together And, and you wanted to play for him And he would have your back You know uh, unfortunately, we yeah, the last two years weren't great, but the first couple were, were two of the best years of my life.
2: What uh What was the best raz that you got from Sticky?
0: Oh, Sticky! so he ripped me. I, the best I best I heard was um, direct. The best I got was off stick uh Gus sits me down once. The I put a kick in the goal. Gus takes over a video session. I don't even know what he was what he was doing there. <laughs> and I put a kick in goal, and it stops about that far from dead ball line. We're playing the Sharks, actually, every Friday night. And Sir Soliola charges down. And, like, I'm thinking, Sir, steady up a bit here. Like, we've got him in, the, in goal just steady. So David Peachy picks it up. See it's just a rookie. He just comes charging down. Wet, slippery surface. Peach just steps him and And Gus blames them and kicking. And I said, fuck, I can having me the whole session, Gus. <laughs> every time I touch the ball, he was just yelling, amateurish. You know, in front of the, everyone, I'm like, oh, what's the fuck going on here? Anyway, I said, come on, Gus. I said, that's not my fault, mate. That kick stopped half a metre from the goal, and like just turned around because I was sitting behind him. Gus's head was purple. Like it was the closest thing to purple, someone said. And he goes, listen here, you smart mouth boy. He goes, I'll have you back in camera quicker than I got you here. And like just this, And like you know those cartoons you see like you blow someone back in their seat it's like that. And I look over at Sticky. Sticky's an arse he sits there like he's giggling, you know, like he's but um no nice. sticky we've never got to that was the best spray I ever got, but yeah, no, I, I think I've heard some beauty. I think one of the boys did a prayer before the game. His name, his sure name remain name. What's the play in no, that remain nameless? But he went out there, that and they were bombing him in. He's dropping eight million balls, bombs, and knocking them down. He was all over the shop. Coming up, Thomas, is sick as Jesus Christ. So and so says, I don't see God helping you out there catch those balls. You know, like <laughs> it's like, mate, what's what's his prayer before the game got to do with it? But uh, it's quite. a kid
2: mate obviously after you're at the roosters you make the move to the Parramatta eels how did that come about
0: yeah michael hagan went there i had been involved with Hague's at the knights and the mariners family friend he, he wanted to get me on board then johnny morris was leaving to the tigers so there's was five eight i was happy to move out of that halfback While you know i wanted to play five eight and timmy smith was the halfback and paramount came come eighth the year before so that team who, who were only going to get better and um, no, I really liked the way Hayes went about it, and, and I dealt with him before. So, and I had to probably get out of the Roosters. You know, I had a year to go on my contract, but um, I, I felt it was the right time to get out at the end of base six and, and go to Parramatta with Hayes. With
2: Obviously, mate, that Parramatta Eels squad—a lot of older heads, but you know, a real mix of younger blokes as well. It was—it was a real mixture of a footy side. How did you find it?
0: Yeah, and, mate, probably as good a mix in terms of what you're looking for in a team as any team I've been in, in my career. A couple of old now. they know Kayla's the skipper, a real experienced, great leader. Hindy, uh, Ian Marsh, Chad Robinson. They had blokes like me and Piggy Riddell just under that. You know, we were of characters and we'd you know, fire them up a bit out there, you know, have a bit of fun. Um, and then some young blokes like Timmy Smith. But then the emergence of Hayne, you know, Felitti Mateo, uh, and some real tradesmen like Benny Smith, Daniel Waggon, you know, but so it was a perfect mix of, of a team. We get beat by Melbourne the week before the grand final, and we really pushed them. They, they scored a late try late to beat us. I think they got away. They end up winning by eight, but we led most of the game. It's funny there's three teams: Manly, Parramatta, and Melbourne that year, where Manly would smash us, Melbourne would smash Manly, but we would trouble Melbourne. You know, like Melbourne never Manly could never trouble Melbourne, but dropped the ball over the line in round 18 down there, which and would have won us the game with a minute the going, and we only just get beat in the semi. So. We had a really good team, um, and again, it was good for me because I was playing 5'8", so you know, I, was, I was the second banana, so there was a bit of pressure off me there, and just got to enjoy my footy for the first time in a few years.
2: Mate, the uh, 2008 season rolls around, and of course it's the centenary of Rugby League, and I think this might be my favourite Brent Finch story, that, that they get all the players together for a photo, and you being the dickhead you are, finish this story for me.
0: And I'm, I'm talking to Brent Kite. I played for three clubs there, but... Man, I the, I knew more people in rugby league than anyone. You know, those those things were my bread and butter. Like every player's there, all the staff. So I'm holding court. Boys be looking over. Here, I'll be having a group of fifty bucks in the group. You know, just I'd, I'd been involved. That was 2008. So that was me. That was me tenth year uh, in the in the um uh, in the in the game. So I'd been involved and knew a lot of people. I was talking to Kite, Brent Kite, Ky- grew up with Kite in Canberra. We played Australian schoolboys together. Went to Arundel College together. He was at manly at this stage. Well. And he goes, it's called over for all Polynesians to go to the ballroom to get um, get um, the Polynesian photos all for the team of the century. <laughs> Cody goes, why don't you come in? I said, no. He goes, come on, come in. I said, you know what, I'll come in. So I hide behind a couple of the big boppers. I get in there. and So there's obviously there's a good players there or whatever, all in a big photo across this big stand. And I get in behind Mace. Mace doesn't know I'm behind him. And I'm you know, I man makes a childhood mates. And I said, so I mean, excuse me, really, can you just push aside a bit? And he's like turns and like just to turn go, yeah, no worries. He went, Oh, you yeah, know, then it's like hitting like just and he just cracks up laughing. <laughs> and then Jerry's like, what's the laughing? The boys turn and the cameraman's none the wiser, he's sitting there snapping away. And it just the laughing just went along the along the line. If you could ever get a bloke who not only was I not easy, and I start saying I'm moldy and all this. <laughs> Mate, on that white, you know, in the middle of winter, my, my shade, my next shade's invisible. You know, <laughs> I'm trying to loosen, you know. My disgust, it looks like I've been tanning under the house, sunbaking on the moon. Um, so the boys had a laugh out of it. And four of the, I think the last place to know was the photographer. You know, he, he kept snapping away and then he's obviously looked over and said, why is everyone in stitches? And he's thrown up and here's this buck-toothed blonde of the fellow snapping <laughs> in the middle.
2: Mate, you're a complete and utter menace.
0: A I can use youth as an uh, excuse. Then, hopefully, with age, I'll settle down a bit,
2: mate. The next year, two thousand and nine, one of the most surreal rugby league stories, in my opinion. You start the the year with the Eels. I think you're two and two, and you play your last game, and then within a few weeks, you end up down at the Melbourne Storm. How did that come about?
0: You know, at the start of that year, how big? Like, if I had went for a drink on a Sunday and I would trained Monday. I train harder than anyone Monday. You know, I, I had a bit of a reputation that that liked a beer, but I, I trained as hard as anyone. Um, my training sort of dropped off, and that was that was my my edge to me as a player is that I'd try and out you. You know, you know, I'd you know I was fit as a player, but I was a gut runner as well. So you might be naturally better at running, but I ain't stopping until you drop. You know, like I'd outwork like so that's that's how I tried to. There not my relevance to a team. The enthusiasm, the energy, you know, I wasn't overly skillful or creative. So when I lost a bit of that desire, I'd always been a big fish in a small pond in my teams. I'd played four games, like you said, into a three-year contract. I just walked... I asked to for a release I had no club. I hadn't spoke to any club. I just walked out. I thought I was going to retire. He played over 200 games at this stage. Played about 210 games. Um, I was in my 11th year, I think, and I was only 27. So... You know, it was one of those moments I walked out like I never had no problem with Daniel Anderson. Me me and they were fine. But I knew mate, there's no point in me going to reserve right? I was on a lot of money. I'm gonna be a cancer back there because my attitude suffered. And if my attitude's not respirating, really it's not gonna be good for the club. You know, and, and I was still living in Bondi, so drive me out there every day. I just lost the urge to play, you know. Had a season in 08 where some other blokes probably didn't they try but didn't Probably have the best attitudes. Which wanes on me. I'm driving in here all this way, and one's not all in, and then affects my attitude. So I said, "Endo, mate, just I just want to release." He said, "Well, where are you going?" I said, "Nowhere. So maybe England. Maybe retired." I had no. I had no. Um, I hadn't spoken to Melbourne, spoke to anyone I just, I just had enough, and, and I was thinking of retiring. And I get a call from uh, Matty Johns, who was working with Storm. He rings me, belly Oak then and rings me. He said, "Would you interested?" Uh, I said, "Mate, yeah, sure." He goes, "We need, need a five eight down here." All I had to do was catch and pass to Greg Inglis. He'd beat eight blokes, and I'd get a try. So it was tough a pretty, gig. And uh, it was a pretty good job. Oh gee, I uh, couldn't get it in and out of his hands quick enough. But it was a great. And I was down in Melbourne. I love Melbourne. It was the end of my career. Uh, I the year before I had to go back and play halfback was Timmy left and went to England. I didn't want to play halfback. I wanted to play. I wanted to step out of that main role. So to go down to Melbourne in a high class environment. And all of a sudden, it re-energised me because they don't need me. They've won three straight. They've made three straight grand final. i one. Now, we'd love to have you, feature. We think you can help us. But if your attitude's not good enough, we'll just get someone else in. It's not like – so all of a sudden, I'm a small feature, at a big point. And it fired me up again and it got me working. and it got the hunger back. And I was as a player, a hard-working player, you know. And, and and I was down there, and I, and I think I was good for him in a way where you know, I was pretty good at lightening the mood at the right time, but I knew when to train hard. And I, I love working with Craig Bellamy. He's just the best. Leadership is unbelievable. It's off the charts. Had some great senior players down there obviously, Cameron Smith, Bill Cooper, Brett White at the time, Dallas Johnson. So it was, it was a great club to be a part of.
2: Thanks again for tuning in to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. That's the end of our part two interview with Brett Finch. Part three with Finchie drops next Monday, and part three is an absolute belter. We dive into his time at the Melbourne Storm and how that just... It's like it just kick-started Finchie's career all over again. As he said at the end there, it just got his competitive juices flowing again. Melbourne didn't need him, but he wanted to make an impression there. Talks about playing alongside Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk, Cameron Smith... Greg Inglis, just a host of absolute superstars there, and of course the first year he arrives, he departs from Parramatta around round four, or round five he gets to Melbourne, and then six months later he plays Parramatta in the grand final so, just an unbelievable story there for Finchie that, you know, he's you know, I'd love to know if there's another bloke that's left a team, another halfback that's left a team during the season, gone to another side and then played his old team in the grand final incredible stuff, and Finchie, being Finchie, the celebrations after that two thousand and nine. Grand Final It will blow you away The poor bastard He went for about A three week bender It was Incredible He was all, you know, he was Up on Sydney The night they won Then he went back Down to Melbourne Then he went to Vegas Then he just went All over the world Over a couple of weeks It was sensational Talks about 2010 When he came back How hungry he was To get back into footy And then of course The salary cap scandal Hits Finch's perspective and all that, very interesting. Uh, Of course, it means that he has to leave. He goes over to England for a couple of years, and then he returns to Melbourne. And hearing him talk about the end of his career once again... Very interesting, his perspective, you know, when he knew it was all over and it was starting to wind down. There's a crazy story about when um, Bellamy puts him on for about 30 seconds at the end of the game, and then the next morning, that's all he does for his recovery session, 30 seconds. A crazy Finchy story you'll absolutely love. Can't wait to share part three with you. If you enjoyed part two and you haven't listened to part one yet, I highly advise you go back and have a listen. It's a cracking chat with a champion bloke. Keep kicking the corners, and as always, play smart footy.